We are back, and uh, we're here with our very special guest. Uh, he is a, a Dutch football expert, a uh, football interviewer, regular, regularly features on World Football Index, Talk Sport, Talk Sport 2, Love Sport Radio, Capital FM Moscow, and more. Um, I refer to him as Nostradamus, uh, but for everybody else, it is James Rowe. I say, good evening, James Rowe. Welcome to City uh, Sit Down. Thank you for a lovely uh, introduction. Very impressive indeed. Thank you. Yeah, well, the reason I call this guy Nostradamus is because he is the only guy on the planet who picked Matthias de Ligt to come to Serie A and to Juventus in particular. Uh, and I heard nobody else even mention that name uh, in Serie A. And so that is why I call him Nostradamus. Uh, I want to give you kudos right off the top because you're the only person I know who even remotely even said his name in Serie A. So kudos to you mm-hmm. on that one. Thank you very much, and um, I can let listeners know as well. For me, when you look when you look at the character of the young man, and the fact that his uh, his agent is uh, Raiola and Riola's ties to uh, to um, Sicilia and and Juventus, and also the massive pull for him that was Juventus. Um, many listeners may know and may have expected Frankie de Jong and um, Matthias de Ligt to go to the same club. And um, but the right. Licht himself said, you know, they're friends, but you know, they um, it's important to kind of go the ways of their own development. And uh, for listeners that don't know, Paris Saint Germain were very hot on um, Frankie de Jong for a long time, and then it for him was Barcelona. But Matthias de Licht uh, chose Juventus, and as far as I'm aware, before the outbreak of Corona, was having a very good debut season um, at Juventus. And um, there was an interview that was done with Dutch CV where uh, De Ligt said himself that he's, uh, he feels really at home in Turin. He enjoys exploring the city. He enjoys going out and about and, and, and getting to know the city and uh, enjoying the matches. And he's saying about the training regi- regime and the match day preparation. But he, he gets on particularly well with Adam, Adam Ramsey due to the English, uh, being able to speak English. But he's also said about you know his Italian lessons, lessons and taking it very seriously. And as someone who watched De Ligt from when he first came on the scene to when he left Ajax, I often said I used to translate his um, his pre-match press uh, press conferences and post-match pre- press conferences, and I would translate the press conference and the quotes of an 18, 19 year old, 17 year old in some cases when he first came on the scene, and I would be translating the um, what was said, Richard, and I would be thinking to myself, is this a 30-year-old man speaking? No, it's a 17-year-old boy. He's just so mature. And even when defending, you know, Ajax could be leading a game and he would be fighting tooth and nail to to make sure they keep that clean sheet. And he's done ever so well at uh, international level with the Netherlands. You know, he'll go on to break a lot of records at international level in terms of caps, I think. And it's a great grounding for him at Juventus. You know, it's interesting how people expected him to go to Barcelona or Liverpool, but Juventus also as well, you know, the the biggest club in Italy, such a rich history, you know, going back to the days of uh, John Charles and Michel Platini and um, and Ravinelli in the mid-90s and Viali and, 
you know, I was lucky enough to be at um, the Champions League final in 2017 uh, when they okay, lost in Cardiff. But beforehand, I'd never seen uh, I'd never seen support like it. You know, there, there, there was lots of um, uh, st- stringent security in place, but even the long, long rows, the Juventus fans would just sing, sing and sing again. And even though they didn't win the game, uh, Mansukic's goal it remains one of the greatest goals I've ever seen live in oh, any stadium. Yeah, that's a beautiful just, one. Just absolutely amazing, and um, just a shame they couldn't get over the line. But um, just a, a fantastic club, and I feel privileged to have seen them play live in such a setting and uh, a fantastic base in order for Matthias De Ligt to grow in future. Yeah, and you know, you're talking about him, him being a captain and being so uh, so instrumental. It sounds like he's a 30 year old. I remember when you know people first saw him as a captain at Ajax. People were like, oh, well, they just made the best player, you know, one of the best players, a captain. But it's like, no. If you listen to his interviews, I mean, he sounded like you mm. said, like an like a 30 year old man, and he knew what he was mm. talking about, and guys respected him, old and young. So. Um, you know, for those who don't remember the interview we had, we had John here before he went to Juventus. Um, mm. Recap for everybody why you thought Juventus was going to be a good fit for him uh, in particular, and why why you thought Italy as opposed to nobody else. And obviously, Minerva Rioli well, plays a part in that. Yeah, of course. First and foremost, Rioli does play a part in that. But in terms of um, advice, not necessarily influence. Matthias De Ligt, even at twenty years of age, is, is still very much his own man. Right. And the fact he likes to defend, and he wants he want, he made it quite clear when leaving Ajax that there's two facets to when he leaves what he chooses, and the first facet was um, regular game time, regular game time, playing regularly, being able to uh, to improve as a player, and the second one was um, being able to um, improve as a defender, not just. Uh, be part of a squad, but go to a league where we all know about Catanaccio and the Italian <laughs> league. You know, even in even in the mid nineties, it was it was very very strong. I mean, I, I used yeah. to watch. Uh, I mean, I'm originally from the UK, or even though I live in the Netherlands. I um, used to watch football Italia on a regular basis, and you would see James Richardson and and the special uh, interviews and the, the subtitles when everything was all in Italian. And even even now, you know, it's still. Uh, of a massive pool in terms of league. I mean, if you ha- if you have a league where, you know, Juventus, AC Milan, Inter, Napoli, uh, Roma, Lazio, all play in the same league, then of course it's going to be a very very strong league. And um, I was fortunate enough to interview uh, the Dutch defender Timo Letschert when he was um, playing for Sassuolo when he left and signed for Sassuolo, and he yeah. was saying that he was um, he was really well looked after by his teammates, by the club. And, um, you know, he was made to feel at home. He's currently on loan. At, uh, no, I believe he's subsequently signed for uh, for Hamburg, as far as I'm aware, I believe. And um, But he's, he looks back on his time at Sassuolo in particular with a great with a great fondness. And my interview with him was one of the early ones of, of World Football Index. I think it's from 2018. And, um, yeah, just to say about, you know, outside of the bigger teams of Italy, and, you know, Sassuolo have become an established uh, Serie A club. And you see that um, the league the league has an awful lot to offer. I mean, we also have uh, Mitchell Dykes at, uh, at Bologna, also, do, yep. also playing well. Absolutely. Okay, they had a bad result yesterday. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting league. And even though for me, obviously, watching the Eredivisie firsthand here for more than a decade, originally being from the UK, 
and and having a vast interest in the in the Premier League and and also La Liga as a as a connoisseur. But um, I like to keep an eye on all different leagues and. I think the Italian league is very much um, going to continue to improve and continue to be a um, a, a big pull for many players. Yeah, and, and Serie A has always been known as a very uh, disciplined, uh, defensive league. Uh, nowadays, it's more offensive, but it's still very tactical. Anybody who comes into the league says, you know, they, they, they remark about how tactical it is compared to other leagues. Um, and, you know, as someone who's been watching Delict uh, all season long, you know, he started out, you know, obviously very shaky. He had some good performances, but also had some big blunders. But he's grown throughout the season, gotten better and better. And you can see, and I've saw, I've seen with the Juventus fans that at first they were like unsure about him. But as you said, he had some great veterans around him, some great defenders around him they can learn from. And he's slowly just making, being more and more consistent each and each game, uh, being involved both defense and attack. So he's very, very, very much improving in, uh, you know, after speaking with you early in the, early in the year uh, about the league, uh, it, it made, made complete sense why he went to Juventus and or why he would go mm-hmm. to Juventus. And now it just seems like it's a perfect fit there uh, for him, as you said. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's 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 amazing that you obviously you call that, and obviously Delict is doing very well at the moment. So that's, that's it's great stuff for um, obviously you, but also you know for the young man as well, and it also helps bring more spotlight back to Syria into the Netherlands, where some other youngsters may be looking abroad and saying, "Hmm, maybe I should go there." Absolutely, absolutely. We've also had Stefan de Frey at Lazio, and now Inter, yes, of course. Yes, Stefan de Frey did an exceptional job at Feyenoord. A really, really good job at Feyenoord and also, you know, felt very at home at Lazio as well. And one thing I would like the listeners to know is when Matthijs de Ligt made his, um, made his decision, he was questioned by, he was questioned by certain parts of the Dutch media and said to him, you know, you've got Chiellini, you've got Bonucci, you've got really big names in that, um, in that back line. And he said that, and they said, oh, will you play? He said, but I'm there to learn from them. He said, "These are the best, some of the best defenders in the world, and they, yep. and they can teach, they can help me." And the, the one quality Matthias de Ligt has always had is that his willing, willingness to learn and to be completely aware of his surroundings. And he's never, he's never um, became arrogant. He's never become as if he's arrived. You know, he's just a, he's a fantastic, fantastic young man, and um, I'm sure he'll continue to grow again in future at Juventus. Many youngsters to take note from him, the way he approaches uh, games and, and life in general. I mean, that's that's a fantastic attitude to have when you go into a new club. You know, many players be like, "Oh, I'll play. I, I'm that good." But he's like, "No, I'm going to learn from these. these are the best guys. I got. Mm. I'm going to learn from these guys." Mm. So that's great. Mm. Um, before we move on to some more Syria talk, uh, I want to briefly talk about a player that many of many of our, us football heads know, D- uh, Donny Van de Beek. Uh, any, mm. any latest updates on him? I know it's not Syria related, but you know, I just thought I'd fill in the rest of the people who uh, may follow him around. Okay, that, no, that's absolutely fine. Um, to let listeners know, Richard, um, the, the, the rumours have persisted here in the Netherlands for quite some time that it's highly likely that Real Madrid will be uh, Donny van der Beek's next destination. And should Real Madrid come with a serious offer, that is where he will go. Um, before the season was curtailed here in the Netherlands, there was a real presence about Van der Beek on the pitch. He, uh, in particular, in the um, in the four 0 win against Utrecht um, last November, he um, he played a particularly key role, scoring two goals. One of the second one, I believe, was uh, just a tremendous goal. Well, all of them were. If um, listeners want to check that out on YouTube, uh, Ajax Utrecht from November 2019. I was at the game and 
the presence that he has on the pitch now. He never used to have that. For me, for me, the key was the Champions League run last season, where the semi-final against Tottenham in London was like um, the culmination of he has a presence on the pitch now. And it makes me feel old. I mean, I've been watching Ajax first time for more than a decade. And I was there when he scored on his European debut against Mulder, I believe in 2015, I think it was. Mm. Might have been 14, not entirely sure. But um, yeah, it was um, just a fantastic presence. And uh, someone who's also fully aware, completely, um, completely, um, aware of his uh, of his role within a team and I think he, he he would like to go to Real Madrid as well I think he fits Real Madrid I think he I see him having a similar role and learning from Luka Modric the same way that Matthias de Ligt is learning from Bonucci and um, learning from Bonucci and Chiellini I believe that Van der Beek could learn uh, from Luka Modric so I believe if Real Madrid come in with a sensible bid and it's something that Ajax want to accept then I believe that uh, Van der Beek's next stop will be uh, the Bayer Bayou. Oh, very good very good so before we get to the youngsters uh, let's look at uh, uh, one of the old vets uh, Swiss international Ricardo Rodriguez he used to play in Serie A with AC Milan um, and now he is currently with PSV and I believe he penned a new deal was that a permanent deal? Um, I believe that uh, he signed on loan originally until the end of the 2019-2020 season. And due to the um, season being curtailed and no football being played and contracts being, um, you know, the um, the clubs having to look at their contracts, I'm not sure if an extension has been announced, but he did sign initially on loan. And as far as I'm aware... Um, it's something that PSV are looking to um, to extend, uh, mainly due to his experience. You know, he's a first came to the fore um, at Wolfsburg, where yep. he made many many appearances, and you will know of his time at AC Milan and also at international level. I mean, when I watched him, he always had a very good width and uh, could could provide accurate crossing. And um, I think at his age of, um, I believe he's 27 now, he. Um, the important thing is for him to play, and um, obviously with the Netherlands not being too far from Germany, where he was, uh, where he played for a long time. Maybe there's personal reasons as to why he wanted to come this way, but um, I'm sure there'll be more clarification about it going forward. Uh, the latest developments here in the Netherlands before I came on air to you tonight is our our measures are going to be relaxed even more from July the first onwards, upon which uh, football will be played. The new season will start in September. So I believe in the coming weeks there'll be a lot more clarity as regards to um, contracts and the length of contracts and stipulations and that kind of thing. And how is how is his season going uh, this past season? How was it before the the hiatus? Well, um, I believe his experience-wise was doing okay, and yeah. um, PSV very much did have very much improved before the season was curtailed. They have a new manager coming in next season, of course, Roger Smith, who people might know from, uh, I believe, Bayer Leverkusen and also um, Salzburg. And um, they have a captain, uh, Denzel Dumfries was the captain and really took to it like a duck to water, really enjoyed the role. And you saw them making progress. And um, it's just it's such a, a strange start of the season with Van Bommel as well. Van Bommel was a former player of PSV. And, um, you know, he also played for Fortuna Sittard. And, the arrogance to think that you can start your career at one of the biggest clubs in the Netherlands, the, mm-hmm. the second biggest club in the Netherlands, if you like, 
and um, Van Bommel unfortunately lost his job and Ernest Farber took over the reins but you wonder that you wonder the damage that that has done to um, to Van Bommel's career Richard you wonder I mean a fantastic player who played for AC Milan as well and he won a special award here in the Netherlands for you know how adept he was at learning different languages and how good he actually was also from his time at Barcelona he's not just a a fantastic footballer Van Bommel but also a tremendous linguist but I do believe it was an oversight for him to start his career at such a club I believe if he'd have started his managerial career at Fortuna Sittard for example I think he'd still be managing now and uh, you wonder where the next um, opportunity for him will come from yeah, he uh, started out very well for PSV, but because uh, they were very high high octane offense, it seemed like I remember them and Ajax going back and forth. But then obviously mm. things turned sour for him very very quickly. So mm-hmm. um, a couple of players that I've been uh, that at least I know about in the in, in Netherlands that um, have been flirting with Syria, possibly moving um, Az Akmar's uh, Myron Boadu and as well as Denzel Dumfries from PSV, as you mentioned. What would mm. those two players bring to Syria if they were able to make that move uh, after all? Okay, well, I'll start with Myron uh, Boadou, who played a key part in the, in Isaac Alakmar finishing uh, joint first, if you like, although, although no uh, no champion was crowned here in the Netherlands. He played a huge part in their, uh, in their rise to second under a somewhat inexperienced manager, Arne Slot. And um, just goals and physicality. And he's completely... Uh, completely free, completely unexhibited in terms of how he roams in the pitch and he's very accurate in terms of goals. Um, I believe he will stay in the Netherlands for at least another season. I don't believe that at the, at the age of 19 that it's conducive for Baidu after a breakout season to seek such a move. And the most important thing, particularly for young players here in the Netherlands, is that is that they go on to play regularly. That, that's the most right. important thing. I mean, we saw, for example, I mentioned Timo Letzgert at Sassuolo. He went from Utrecht to... Um, to uh, Sassuolo and um, he played in the beginning and is now subsequently playing for ha- uh, Hamburger Sportverein in, Ge- in Germany. So it just goes to show the um, the differences in, in terms of the choices that, that the players make. But Another um, another good example is uh, Klaasian Huntelaar when he left Ajax absolutely. and he went to Real Madrid, didn't get much playing time, went to Milan, didn't get much playing time, finally mm-hmm. found a home at Schalke and just started banging yeah. in goals. So great example yeah. there. Absolutely, and I believe Abadu physicality very strong, accurate, accurate as well. An awful lot of stamina as well, an awful lot of stamina. But having having been in a position to interview professional players and managers for nearly four years, Richard, I'm, I often speak to players and managers, and they tell me that timing is everything in football. Timing yes. of a transfer, timing of a manager coming in, timing of a, the opportunity to play, and you see a lot of people linking players with players and or, or looking at price tags and things like that and you have to really look a bit deeper and I think it will be in uh, Bardu's best interest to uh, to remain in the Netherlands for, for at least one season more. Excellent he, and he had something what like 20 goals in 39 games or something uh, for uh, AZ? Yeah he's uh, was scoring many many goals and was um, um, also with the assists as well scoring many assists Wow, and um, and being a being a key part of that team, being a focal part of that team at the age of nineteen. That's amazing. You know, to, to, uh, together with uh, uh, Don Goldmainers as well. And um, I said 
are really reaping the benefits of, of youth. They um, created a new training complex and they really put their eggs in one basket as regards to a youth policy about five years ago now. Even to the point of their youth teams, uh, the complex they would train at, every youth category would train next to one another. So it would be done in like a corridor setting where the under-13s, under-14s, under-15s, they see kind of looking down the tunnel that every every year they progress, they kind of go into the, to the next changing room further down the corridor to eventually get into the reserve team, to eventually get into the first team. So uh, they are really reaping the benefits of uh, reinvigorating their youth policy and um, they're really seeing the fruits of that. And another player that's been mentioned is uh, Denzel Dumfries. What are the chances that he comes to Serie A or even leaves you know, PSV? Um, I think the chance is pretty big that Dumfries will leave PSV this summer. He's also added leadership to his game with uh, the captaincy of PSV. Um, I interviewed his former teammate, uh, Rick Ketting, who played with him at Sparta, Rotterdam. And uh, Rick Ketting said to me last summer that when he arrived at the club, he was very much something of a late bloomer. But you could even see that the, that the quality he had even then, he just had to show more belief in himself. And he did. And he's physically very strong. He's, it doesn't happen so much now. But Dumfries really came up the traditional route. When Sparta Rotterdam was promoted under Alex Pastor, he played in that Eredivisie season where they uh, stayed up and um, did an excellent job. Got a subsequent move to Heerden Fein and then a subsequent move to PSV Eindhoven. So it, it just goes to show that it can be done. There are many, many good players here in the Netherlands. It's just the fact of looking and looking hard. And lots of people like to pigeonhole players and say, oh, he only <laughs> plays for that team. He mustn't be that good. If I can give listeners an example, there's a player on a free transfer, a current captain or outgoing captain of Vitesse Arnhem called Brian Linson. Now, he's an excellent player, a tremendous player, scoring, I believe, in excess of the last, I think, uh, for me, uh, I believe, I think three, four seasons at Vitesse that he's had, maybe not even that, I don't think, scoring many, many goals and many, many assists. And he's got a tremendous hmm. uh, work ethic, tremendous work ethic. He's recently turned down Feyenoord. Feyenoord were in negotiations to sign him from Vitesse. But he himself stopped the negotiations. Wow. And he was on he was on Dutch TV and they said to him, Why on earth did you stop the negotiations with finals? He said, Well, I'm not being arrogant, but they're treating me like a squad player. He said, I'm not asking for millions of euros of a salary. I'm not asking to play every single game. He said, all, all I'm saying is to be treated fairly. And I get the impression with Feyenoord that they think that he's just going to be a squad player. And Dick Advocat, who's the current manager, he said that Dick Advocat really wants, and I believe still wants, Brian Linson. And um, Advocat even said to Frank Arneson, how on earth did Feyenoord not manage to get this deal over the line? And um, be very interesting to see where Brian Linson goes. Um, there's rumours of um, Qatar, there's rumours of China, or maybe even the German league. I'm biased, but I hope he goes somewhere in Europe so I have the opportunity to speak to him. That would be very, <laughs> that would be very, very interesting because I first um, uh, took note of him when going to an Ajax Venlo match. He used to play for Venlo in 2012, and Christian Eriksen was on the same pitch. But Linson was the best player on the pitch. Wow. And I thought, well, this guy is going to be a, a really good player. And then he moved to um, 
moved to um, Groningen, then he moved to Heracles and, and making a step up and then to Vitesse, became captain of Vitesse. And be really interesting to see where he goes. I think a team like Frankfurt or possibly even Schalke or maybe even Wolfsburg, you know, he's an, he's, he's an excellent player and the next, the next team to get him are going to be very lucky indeed. So before we wrap this one up, uh, what what players can Serie A fans look forward to in, in the other divisa that could possibly make the move to Italy uh, to enhance their clubs? Well, if I give um, one particular name, going back to RZ, because I think he'll, he would really, really suit Italy, uh, Calvin Stengs. Calvin Stengs is the winger of RZ who, again, provided a lot of goals for uh, Bardu and many assists. He came back from a terrible knee injury, a terrible knee injury. And um, he's gone on to become one of the best players in the Eredivisie this season. Fantastic width, fantastic left foot as well. And I think with the pace of Serie I think Calvin Stengs could do an excellent job. I don't necessarily mean for Juventus or Inter, but I think going forward, a team like Lazio or Napoli or Roma for Calvin Stengs to start would be a very interesting move indeed. Wow, there you go, Lazio and Roma fans and uh, Napoli fans. Speaking of Napoli, any any thoughts on the whole uh, Irving Lozano, former PSV man, uh, the drama going on there with him and, and Napoli, and I guess potential move now with all the angst against uh, Gattuso? Well, it just goes to show how timing is so important, Richard. Um, yeah. What it makes me remember what happened the season before he left. He did an interview with Ducks TV where he said that he was looking to go and play in Spain uh, due to the familiarity of the language and also that his family is comfortable off the pitch. So everybody thought naturally a link to Barcelona, a link to potentially Real Madrid or even Valencia. And then he plumped for uh, for Napoli. And the most important thing is is for players to feel comfortable. And I've spoken to many, many players where... When you are um, when you are in negotiations, sometimes um, clubs can say things and really, really show that they want you. I'll give you an example. Do you know of Philip Sandler, who signed for Manchester City? Yes. I interviewed him shortly after the announcement was made that he was signing for Manchester City. And I went to the, what was then his club, Pex Waller, and I went to interview him at the stadium. And we spoke for about 20 minutes. It was one of the, my first interviews to World Football Index. He, last I heard, he was on loan from Manchester City at Anderlecht. And he was telling me, he said, um, he said the, the, the medical in particular took absolutely ages. And I said to him, I said, I said, what made you want to sign for Manchester City? He said, well, they really sold it to me. He said, they really made me feel as if they wanted to have me. They told me that I would be training with the likes of Sergio Aguero, David Silva, you know, making sure that I would feel comfortable off the pitch as well. And it was a really interesting insight. And it it just goes to show that when he arrived at Manchester City and didn't necessarily break break through, there was rumours of a move back to the Netherlands or a loan move back to the Netherlands at PSV. And I said, Alec Mai in particular. And um, that didn't materialise. And obviously he's gone to a familiar country in Belgium with Anderlecht. But it just goes to show how you have to be very, very careful the choices that you make i mean i'm in a i'm in a privileged position where i interview professional players and managers on a regular basis richard and i have my interviews are always completely 
100% spot on in terms of what goes on behind the scenes. You know, even digging down to the likes of players, what what they went through at youth level. For example, a lot of Chelsea players were coached by uh, Brendan Rodgers, for example, and they say about his tra- about his training sessions. They Even now, like my interview with Liam Bridcut uh, today and uh, one of Jacob Mellis from a couple of weeks ago um, said, you know, his training sessions, Brendan Rodgers' training sessions were absolutely amazing. And it made us want to keep learning and, and made us stay inquisitive. So I would advise young players in particular um, to just when a club comes in, there's all the resources now. There's the internet. There's uh, You can speak to people. You can ring up and speak to people about different experiences. There's no excuse for players not to be fully aware. And I can understand the bright lights of uh, of when a club comes in. I'm hoping myself to have that dilemma on the media side of a professional club in future. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much hoping so. Every interview brings me a little bit closer. I'm hoping to have that dilemma one day of, or, of who do you choose? But um, I don't know if, if we'll get to that point. I don't know if I'll be able to practice what I, what I preach, but I would say to the young players in particular, just take your time, just be aware. And the most important thing for young players is that they play. That's brilliant. Great advice there. I think uh, all all young players should definitely take that advice and then choose wisely. Uh, timing is everything, as you said. So before we before we get out of here, I want to give you an opportunity to plug away anything you want to plug away. You've you've had some fantastic interviews over the years, and particularly this last year, you've had a lot of big ones: Jamie Carragher, Kevin Campbell, Simon Barker, just to name a few. So feel free to plug anything you want at the moment. Any interviews you've had, this is your floor right now. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, for listeners that don't know, you can follow me on at James Rowe NL and you can read my interviews on worldfootballindex.com. They publish my interviews every three days. And as Richard so rightly said, it's been an amazing time. Corona has been terrible throughout the world, but um, safety is the most important thing. But I can look back on a tremendous 66 interviews from the middle of March, Richard, including, as you say, wow. the likes of uh, likes of uh, Jamie Carragher, Simon Barker, and um, and Kevin Campbell. Obviously, being an Arsenal supporter and an Arsenal fan. When I get to speak to someone who has an Arsenal past, it always makes it extra special. But the most important thing is to be as professional as possible. And I'm, I'm really excited to tell listeners that in the month of July in particular, I will be releasing my interviews with former Everton player Kevin Ratcliffe, wow. uh, Rule Fox, who, Rule, Rule Fox, who played for Tottenham and West Bromwich Albion, um, Jeff Thomas, uh, who Crystal Palace fans might know. He's a, a real Crystal Palace legend. And also very interested to speak about the MLS interviews I did with um, Kenneth Vermeer of LAFC. Uh, that one will be released in July. And also um, Alexander Butner of New England Revolution, although that one will be released a little bit later. But it's also been fantastic to dip my toe into the pool of the USL and speak to the likes of um, Brian Wright at Birmingham Legion and um, and Daniel Bruce at New Mexico United. And it's really interesting, as being the country that you're based in, to hear about that level, to hear about what goes on behind the scenes, to hear about when they play the Open Cup, for example, and the opportunity for them to yeah. go through the qualifying rounds and play uh, Minnesota United away from home and, and things like that. So uh, I always say the next interview is always the most important one. And uh, the bigger picture is to hopefully one day work full time on the media side of a professional football club. I'm, I'm doing OK and uh, the <laughs> reputation is growing well. 
but uh, just have to stay grounded and uh, know that, that each interview is um is is so important and you have to always concentrate fully like today i spoke to uh, tom mccready of colwyn bay and um obviously it's not the biggest level in the world and he said to me, he said, James, he said, you've spoken to the likes of Jamie Carragher, Scott Minto, Simon Barker. He said, you, now you're speaking to me. I said, yeah. I said, um, I said, first and foremost, everyone's got a story to sell. I said, then um, I look at it. Every interview that I publish brings me closer towards my goal. I said, then I can promise you as well that the same effort and the same attitude goes into this interview as goes into Simon Barker, Jamie Carragher. Kevin Campbell, you know, you, you have to remember at all times you're dealing with professionals and you're dealing with professionals who have had, many have been on a, on a big journey. Right. And the most important thing is to write that up to the best of your ability so that when somebody finish read, finishes reading that piece, they know just that little bit more than before and, um, yeah, helps my reputation to grow and, um, fingers crossed I will continue to do so in future. That's brilliant. I, I'm excited to see some of these uh, interviews got coming around the corner, especially those uh, smaller U.S. clubs that you know not many of us many of us know about, but don't don't get to hear about. So uh, I'm I'm exa- I'm really excited about this. Uh, I know it's late where you are in in the Netherlands, uh, so we're gonna wrap this one up. Thank you so much uh, for coming on, and uh, you know again, Nostradamus, man. What can I say? <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, it's it's great to speak. I enjoyed. Like, I, we've spoken a couple of times, a couple of times, and you did some tremendous work as well. And uh, I look forward to speaking again in future. Thank you, uh, James Rowe from New World Football Index, amongst others. Have a good evening, sir. Thank you very much. Same to you.